Promise No Promises The Tail and the Tongue Episode 13 To Move a Conversation The podcast Promise No Promises unfolds a further chapter The Tail and the Tongue this series of new episodes arises from conversations between curator and writer Sonia Fernandez-Pan and guests from different storytelling practices and world-making experiences. For a conversation to take place, it is sufficient when two people start talking to each other. However, conversations are never happening just between two people. A conversation holds many bodies, places, stories and experiences. It develops languages and creates interpersonal and temporary dialects. Sharing is also a way of collecting seemingly individual circumstances. Our bodies host many narratives, speaking borrowed words, and making stories an important part of who we become. Stories travel between bodies, welling in them. Always in motion, they have no end. Words make worlds in which reality and its fictions travel through the tongue to become tales. Dear Luth, I'm writing to you from my room in Berlin, where the first prominent sun of the year amuses itself by appearing and disappearing. After editing your podcast, I decided to open the windows of my room. Perhaps driven by how doors led to windows during our exchange. A window that opens becomes a door. A door for a breath of fresh air and an internal change of scenery, as in my case. Something similar to go somewhere else for a change of mood, as you did recently. I kept listening to you this time with the whole conversation in my ears, feeling two sources of light, that of sun and yours. I find it very telling that your name in Spanish means light. Not all people fit the name that has been assigned to them, but the way you make your way into the unknown is very much connected for me with giving light. I also like how the light is part of the night, lightening darkness. I do not think that one is the opposite of the other, but that both exist at the same time with different intensities. Barcelona's nights have always been bright for me, and there are places where darkness goes beyond night, reaching into the long summer days. I recently experienced how some nights can be brighter than daytime. I think I told you in my last message for this conversation. Stranded in Iceland for two days more, Flights being cancelled allowed me to miss direction in an unknown territory made of lava, snow and loneliness. As I also told you, snow and ice teach you that walking in a straight line can be very dangerous. You can be very clear about a direction to follow, but not about its path. Something like this happens to me with this letter I'm writing to you after our spoken letters. In fact, I wanted to start in another way, by remembering when this podcast started. It is an in-between where a lot of other conversations happen, 
with each other and with other people. It feels like a stillness land in the intense flow of other things. It even feels like a silence for ourselves, where there are not those other voices that often join us when we're together. This makes me think of something you say about your projects, that they are footnotes to given realities. Could this conversation be a footnote to something? What do you think would that be, this something? As you know, I have a very strong ability to deviate from my own words or from what I was going to say. As you know, one of my skills is to stray from my own words or miss what I wanted to say. One of your skills is to deviate from any initial route, even the ones you suggest yourself. I think it's because of all the attention you pay to your surroundings. For asking yourself over and over again, where I am right now, how I am right now. Do you remember that document I opened more than 10 years ago? My proposal was to have a written conversation together. I don't think you ever wrote anything on it. At least I didn't see it. Since then and before, our conversation has moved with us to many other places and with many other people. Last year we moved it to Pristina because you made room for all of us during your project at Manifesta. For this podcast, we made several attempts, which seemed to get us nowhere. Once, the online recording was interrupted by a trip that would later reunite us on a beach in Galicia. In another, English troubled our words and muted our desire. We were both sad that day. You had got a recording studio in Hangar and the best possible recorder. I had a borrowed sense of urgency that didn't help. The next day, you asked me to talk. I admit that I was afraid that you would not want to continue after so many failed attempts. On the contrary, you made me a voice note to propose that we move our conversation in space and time. Or was it me who proposed the voice letters? What's the difference? We did it together. We were both able to make something out of our shared frustration. And you knew how to make this podcast with one of your many proposals. We also gave it a name, to move a conversation. And we came up with a little method, to move around spaces that were related to our projects. You in Barcelona and me in Berlin. I think we found a way to go back to the past by walking into the future. You decided to start by walking from Hangar to Parque Central, reading one by one each proposition of your projects. I have told you many times, but I never get tired of repeating myself. I really like that your titles are so literal, almost describing the projects. This almost opens up many other possibilities. Because I don't believe that language is ever entirely literal. There's always a gap of meaning that puts imagination at work. Kind of like having the consonants and having to choose the vowels to find a word. Later I spoke to you from my home in Berlin, 
on the never-ending conundrum that many people, especially migrants, have. Is a house the same as a home? How does one make a home out of a house? How does one feel at home beyond one's own space? What other homes do we have? I feel at home in music and in people, but you described it much better in a private message, making home of friendship. Your way of moving the conversation on was to go out on your doorstep the day I arrived in Barcelona to stay with you all. You included the noise of the bulldozers that have been with you every day for months. You also included the sound of people continuously entering and exiting the elevator. And you almost included me when I arrived and found you recording on the stairs. But you made me appear in another way, by bringing me the keys inside. Next time, I would talk to you from Templhofer Feld in Berlin. It is a place that gives me inner peace, because it has a skyline in a city that cannot be enjoyed from above. It's my Mediterranean Sea in Berlin. But I chose it for another reason, because long before we met in Barcelona, you lived here, and you invited several people to break the former airport rules and spent the night there together. I don't remember the year. Well, maybe it was 2005. I guess the place was very different, with a lot more rules, as it was an active airport. And then you brought the Mediterranean for real. You moved our conversation to the breakwater of Marbella Beach, on a winter night, where the sea wet your shoes and feet. Is Marbella the beach of Barcelona with the number 27? Whenever a 27 comes my way, I feel at home. Do you also let yourself be chased by numbers? I would continue our conversation when I returned to Berlin at the beginning of the year and after being away for three weeks that felt like many months. I told you my body was in the house, but my feelings had not yet arrived. I had a lot of morinia, which is the word we use in Galician for homesickness. I was homesick for many other homes, all at once, including the homes to come. With no response from you yet, I decided to modify our method a bit and talk to you a few days later from Keflavik in Iceland. It felt like talking to you from Mars, far, far away from everything and everyone. With our friendship, you helped me make a home in estrangement and disorientation. To close this never-ending conversation, you went up to a very special place in Barcelona, Colserola. I often remember that walk with you and someone else as your tree burned in the half-house fireplace and how that tree generated a community of people coming in and out of the house for several days until it crumbled into ashes. I also remember crying during that walk, seeing so many houses but having lost another home by breaking up a relationship. Technically, Corserola is not Barcelona, but from there you can see the whole city 
and the sea in the distance, expanding its horizon line far beyond the beaches that we like to wander so much. It is intriguing that the broadest view of a place can never be that place. The image of a thing is never the thing. And to finish our podcast, you did something crazy, something very you. Go to a building in another neighborhood, get two strangers to let you into their house and talk to me from there. But the craziest thing is that it's so hard for us to talk to strangers, isn't it? Where does this fear of others come from? And the fear of institutions and bureaucracy. Everything that doesn't feel like home seems to frighten us. I feel it every time I take the metro and see all those unfriendly faces waiting for something nice to happen in their lives. But this rarely happens to you. You want to approach strangers. You're not afraid of bureaucracy. And you can challenge the rules and norms of many institutions. I think the pleasure of overcoming borrowed fears is very strong. To realize that many of our inner fears are external to us. It made me very happy to know that this conversation made you go to Gran Villa in Barcelona, knock on the door of strangers and enter an unknown house to send me that last voice note. They were the neighbors of a friend of yours, as on other previous times with your Windows project. Changing the windows of the houses of people who live opposite your friends seems to me to be a kind of homage to friendship. Since I've been living in Berlin, my neighbors are further away than ever. I've barely had a small chat with anyone on the stairs. But if I'm in a good mood, I like to make funny comments to the metro passengers sitting in front of me. It is fascinating how the qualities of places get into our skin without us even noticing. Perhaps the key to unlock the unknown is to have a purpose, as you always do. Having a proposal, having a proposition. To turn a motive into motivation, for yourself, for others. Thank you very much, my dear, for moving me around and inside, for taking me to so many places otherwise, for making space for me among your words.
to occupy the whole space, to go outside the studio, to let us stay and grow, to condense a lecture, to distract from the dominant zone, to drop the voltage at an opening, to sleep with the doors open, to take out a stone from the wall, to deactivate the safety protocol, to make way for the unknown, to darken a route, to exit too soon, to adjust to the outdoor temperature, to stand still on rooftops, to go through that forest tonight, to bridge the gap, to occupy a grandstand, to stick my nose into other people's business, to rise the water level of a river, to get lost on the way, to tie up loose ends, to enter by the back door, to put oneself in the place of the other, to not do, to place a bridge, to remove the fences from a site, to go back home, to open a permanent hole, to change clothes for open, to flood the center, to leave the classroom, to revoke visitor rules relating to silence, to fly to the present, to walk a highway, to pretend you are not there, to get rid of the butts, to cut back, to wait behind the door, to enter with a stranger into their house, to tighten a line between two parallel interiors, to move paper around, to undermine a round table, to do without this infrastructure, to extract the locks, to expose the columns, to go from one side to the other, to duplicate orders, to bring together facing windows, prolong the pillars, to visit a visitor, to soak kiss,
Today I'm sitting in front of the door of my house and I was waiting for you but you <laughs> arrived before I expected so now you are inside my house and I'm outside my house. I have the bunch of keys with me that I'm carrying every day and one of these keys is from Lilek. She's from Pristina. This key opened her house. She gave it to me in July. I gave to her a copy of my house key. She's the daughter of Ergin, who is the owner of a little key shop service in the city center of Pristina, where we are doing this project of keys for Manifesta B14. And you ask me why, where it comes from, this project? Well, it comes from <laughs> my obsession with keys and doors and <laughs> windows and all kind of openings that are all around in my projects since many years. And this interest of being in between, in between the inside and the outside. But also it's this specific context in, in Kosovo today and in this uh, biennial where many, many people is going to visit from different countries and the fact that Kosovars can, can travel away. So borders are closed for them. I try to, to react on that unbalanced situation. And also it comes from the hospitality I felt when I was there and the friendship I felt. And then I realized how deep is in their culture identity is being hospitable and welcoming others since many centuries ago to their houses or to their country. Also, you ask me how keys are related to my projects or which projects implies keys. And you may remember the first one was in 2008 when Jauma opened um, the little doors that were connecting some little rooms of a little hotel in Barcelona. So for one night, the guests spent uh, the night with the possibility to to open the, the doors of the bedrooms. And then it comes actually from a series of actions I started in 2014 that all have in common that they, well, I call them, put oneself in the place of the other. So that's the proposition and, and actually the title of the book we presented uh, some months ago and, and it's, it's also translated into English because it's related with the project of Pristina. So now it's also uh, accompanying the project in Manifesta. This book puts together a series of actions that have this in common, that's trying to, to, to be in the place of the other, literally, to occupy this other place of someone you, you may don't know. First one was in 2014 when I went back to my former high school and I proposed students to to swap their places every day to another 
house, another's family, another's activities, another's bedroom, another's pyjama. And then other actions were proposed in the context of workshops, uh, working with people. It made me realize that's the only thing we have. What can we do with what we have? We have time together to spend and the objects we are carrying with us, like wallet and the bag and the coat and the keys. So for example, in one of these workshops, we swap our bags and our coats and we decide to go out and spend some hours going around the street alone, everyone alone with the belongings of another. And <laughs> some months later, I found a note hidden in my kitchen from a girl that, that afternoon decided to, to go to my house without me knowing. And on another occasion, I asked the audience at the performance to leave their keys on a little table in the middle of the room, and all of them did it. And then I asked them to, to pick up another one's keys to go to sleep to that house that night. So these are some of the actions that are in the book and that are related with this new one that's happening until the end of October in Pristina. There are many, many other projects related with kids, but not so directly. One of them is very directly, it was in 2019. That was Extract the Logs, where we, we did, we extract the logs from the main access to an art center. When we extract the log, we saw there was a hole, so the log was, the place of the hole was occupying the space of the hole. And I realized that the key opens the hole, is what it's in between inside this little device. And actually, the whole door is covering a hole in the wall. <laughs> so at the end, it's all about holes. <laughs> and now, nowadays, thinking about that, I realize that, well, nowadays I'm living with, with many people, sometimes with too many. <laughs> and I was thinking that living with people is like living in a house with holes, with many holes, where the unexpected comes repeatedly maybe every day and you don't know what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen today and it's constantly changing it's kind of the opposite we we tend to to live in safe places and trying to control everything trying to be to feel secure to feel at home actually it's very difficult to feel at home. Having a house is, is not the same as, as having a home. I left the lift for so many, many years in a house that we made it home uh, with a lot of effort and love. <laughs> At the end, it became kind of a, a jail also. Since that, I'm kind of afraid of having a, a close house.
I remember now when I was writing the book, when I was doing these actions of swapping keys and in 2015, I was wearing with me many keys from many friends and I felt very safe and lucky to have these keys with me, which made me yeah, feel safe <laughs> because at that time I lost my home, my this sweet home, <laughs> and I was not knowing which was the direction or the next step or which one would be my, my next home. And I was feeling free also and it was a bit scary but I remember it as empowering <laughs> and very free, freely. Um, oh, yeah, let's continue moving around. A short note related to doors. Some time ago I met Elena and we all were obsessed with doors and we were sharing some references and projects and theories relating doors and from that conversation came a, a text she made me realize how many doors are related to my projects and I counted them and around 250 doors <laughs> so the text is called I remember 250 doors more or less and it was for a desk magazine. Hello, Sonia. I found a place without wind. <laughs> I came to the sea <laughs> to talk to you. Um, you know that some months ago, a construction site started to, to work and a new building is growing <laughs> since then next to our house, next to our building. and last month or so 
they started to build a, a wall in front of our window. It started to block the window because it's an illegal window, but anyway, it's our window. <laughs> and since then, I stopped seeing to see the, the sea from the table. And I was sad about that because it was the reason because I, I moved to that side of the house to live there and to see the sea <laughs> every morning and the sunshine. Suddenly, yesterday, they removed one row of bricks. So I see again <laughs> the sea from the table when, when I'm having breakfast. It makes me feel happy. It's a temporary happiness because they will block it completely in a couple of months. And that's why we have decided to move again to another side of the house and leave this, this side. And that's why I'm here now in the sea that I see to talk to you. And it feels good to be here. Makes me remember this idea that I like very much from Perec, that the space is what stops you, what stops your body or your gaze, like a wall, like, like my wall in the window. And here there are no walls. So maybe this is not a space, as the space is constructed like the city, our houses. And it makes me think that maybe the street is the reverse of all these interiors full of walls, is what is left after the buildings are constructed. So is it first the building or the street? Anyway, maybe the street in the city is the space that we use to go from one side to another or actually it is the city or the street is the route we use to go from one place to another, from one interior to another. I imagine a body, our bodies, walking in the street, crashing <laughs> from one wall to another, uh, like balls, like in a game. You ask me what's the public space. I don't know what's the public space, but the street is where I can find someone I don't know, where the unexpected can happen, where the other, where I face the other. Sometimes that's why we don't feel safe outside in the street. Maybe it's the opposite of home of a private space, so what? <laughs> what if I would meet the other in my house? What if my house was open to the other? Would it be a public space? It would be too much. Maybe it's, it's too much, so we need these walls and these doors to survive. And it makes me think that as private space, I, my house is my, not my private space, so public space has to do with property. It's something that has been defined by laws, by rules. The thing is that it's a common property, so 
it's ruled by the state, but we should be equal in there. And that's the opportunity to to have an active role in it. It's also the space for the conflict. I'm trying to imagine if it's possible a free space. Is it? <laughs> Here at least you can see and it's good because if you don't see you have the possibility to imagine and that's something important for me. I started to work with exhibition spaces because they were the spaces we we were used to work in as students, as art students. But I was very curious to work also with other kind of spaces at that time, like organizing unexpected situations in bars or libraries or auditoriums or schools without saying it or announcing what was going to happen. So it was the idea of introduce something in the real. <laughs> and then I try other kind of spaces like streets or rivers or outdoor spaces or other scales like territories that are not a defined space or it's a more complex space. And then the interior spaces like how our houses or your house or the other's house came naturally. And I think that at the end, every space where we live, where we work, and where we consume, uh, where we spend our lives, <laughs> for me is an opportunity to work with, to try something, to think about it, to see it different, to learn something from it. So it's not about art space or public space, it's about yeah, how we live, how we move, how we behave <laughs> in the spaces we are now. Where are you now? From here is dark, I see the moon. There's no one. I can see the city in the distance. It's like you are with me here sitting, <laughs> sitting next to me, like many other days. you asked me about this action in La Paz where I met a group of people and the group already know each other and they invite me to share my way of working with site-specific situations. I was in Stockholm and they were in La Paz in Bolivia so I decided to, to go there and meet every one of them at their place, whatever they were, when I called them. That was the idea of working with site-specific in their specific place and time in their present. I don't know what else to share with you. I'm happy and I'm feeling a bit well these days. I hope to continue this conversation. It feels good. <laughs> Hello. 
It's nice to see things from the outside. And enter again the spaces you use every day but with a new perspective. That's why maybe I'm always going from inside to outside. And we are very lucky to have a place, an indoor place where to stay, where to rest, where to sleep. Good night, my dear. Sonia, can you hear the city? It's the quietest, it's the quietest place I find to talk to you. I like to come here. I've come many times since I live in Barcelona. It's a mountain in the limit of the city, in Coiserola. It's a natural park and you can see the city down there and the sea and here are the birds. I've passed now next to some fallen trees and I remember when we were together here some years ago with a group of people next to a fireplace in a house in the limit of the city with this park burning a tree one of these fallen trees and I remember the night we came and carried carried down the tree walking down the mountain to the house and how we spent four days next to the fireplace seeing how the tree was becoming ashes And today, it took me one hour and a half to come here from my house. I like to be here. I like to see the sea. That's the place where I took you the last time. And we have been moving a lot this month, you and me. And you were telling me that <laughs> you don't know where you were. When I ask you, where are you? This is actually a question that I ask myself when I get an invitation to develop a new project. Maybe the first, the first question is where I am? What is this space made of? Why is this working like this? Why we are moving like this here? 
why are we relating to each other and behaving like this? What if we try something different? Why if we move this element or or change this other one? Not forever, <laughs> just for one day maybe. But why not forever? But let's start with one day. When I'm invited to to do a site-specific work or a, a context-specific work, I I propose something. I call them propositions, and are invitations to act together, to try something. And what I propose is an answer to this this space. So it talks about the framework of the invitation itself and it's the same when I do by my own I try to start a dialogue with the context where I'm working with actually I like to see my projects just as footnotes of given realities You ask me about method or the way I do. Yeah, it's this first to to look to analyze uh, all the, the structure and the organism organization and also the discourse of this framework. If it's an exhibition or if it's an event, what are they talking about and how can I add something? to this discourse to problematize it or just to to add my point of view on that and then from this analyze it comes a proposition that is a, it's an invitation to act together to try something that maybe has never been tried this way before and that's new in a way then there's a process of negotiation of what is possible and what not. I believe that during this process we will find a way to make it possible. And then it comes the realization, the formalization, and it depends on what we have decided on during the process. So no one knew in advance the final form that it will take so then it happens the event happens and or the exhibition or the whatever the workshop the <laughs> the action and then i like to to be able to tell the story again through materials through images or text or so i try to document everything that happens to tell the story and to add a new story into this place. So that's how I understand propositions, like invitations to add together, to try something. Well, sometimes I do it alone, but most of the projects are done with many people <laughs> in collaboration. So I would say it's like, let's try to, to move a stone from the wall, or let's try to sleep with the doors open. For example,
And you asked me about protocols, how have I've, I've used protocols in my work. They came very late, I would say just recently, as an exercise to translate some of these propositions into protocols that can be enacted again for other people in different contexts. They are not an answer to a specific context as, as they were before in the beginning and also they will react they will function differently depending on the context another person act them so for me it's very different protocols than propositions a proposition is like something that you don't know what will happen and a protocol is something that has been experienced before so there's a story to be told from people that have already experimented. Yeah, that's the difference. And also, you asked me about norms and rules and orders and conventions, materials that I work with. I find them, or we find them everywhere in our social spaces <laughs> of interaction are full, full of norms, full of, of rules and, and orders. They are present everywhere as structures or infrastructures that are also materials that I work with. So as they are elements that are there, why don't use them? I take them as materials, as I take windows or, or doors <laughs> as materials to work with. I'm not afraid of them because we are the ones that have invented them <laughs> and actually we are the ones that are giving orders every day and that we are receiving orders and deciding if to obey or not. That's why I was fascinated by handwritten orders, the ones that we give to each other, not the ones that come from the institution but the ones that we find written in a piece of paper, hanging on a bathroom or in a club or in a friend's house. And some years ago we started to collect these orders and every time I find one, I make a copy. I try to do it the same with the same color and same paper, same tape, trying to imitate a letter and I take the original and, and leave the copy and I have many of them from different countries in different languages. I think that all together we are contributing to how things work, how we relate to each other. It's kind of a collaboration, these orders that we are giving to each other. bureaucracy. You ask me if, if I'm not afraid or where this desire comes from to push bureaucracy <laughs> and not feeling scared. Well, feeling scared of what? Because I don't feel I'm risking my life, so I'm just working. And as we are in a safe space, um, art space at the end is, is a safe space where we are trying something, we are playing in a way so if we are doing together there's no 
nothing to be scared of. It's very different if I think myself being alone at night in the street. I remember feeling the fear and knowing when to run and when to escape danger from danger. But not in my work. I mean, we have built institutions. Why, why not to think that we can change them or that we can play with them? I don't know what you think. <laughs> At the end, we are creating new images, or we are imagining other ways of of moving, of behaving. That's what is art about. <laughs> to your questions this is more or less what I've been thinking let me check I have some notes Aya you asked me how I react when I got this no you can't do that or this is not possible I think there's always a, a possibility there's always a way if we want to find a way if we want to play and also you ask me what bothers me more of these norms, rules or bureaucracy. I would say what bothers me more is what seems that is fixed, that don't move, or that seems that don't move, or that you are told that this is not moving. These are the ones that bother me more, because everything is moving, even you don't see even if someone is hitting this movement. Hear the birds. Do you hear people screaming down there? Feels so good being here. I don't want to go back to the city. Mm. 
that me and Diego <laughs> slept here or tried to sleep. Someone has built a kind of a house with branches from fallen trees and it's getting bigger along the years. Bye City, bye Sonia, see you tomorrow. Thank you for bringing me here. Sonia, <laughs> I'm sitting on a stair, a cold stair, inside a building, a huge building. I don't know anyone living here. And I managed to come in and enter a flat. And I met an old couple who live here and I asked them can I come in and see through your window and they surprisingly allowed me to enter and we all together look through the window and see a little light on the window of my friend on the other side of the road and I told them hey <laughs> There lives a friend of mine, it's just right in front of your window. I'm very happy to meet you. <laughs> they were very surprised, but they didn't say nothing. And I told them, thank you very much, I will write you a letter and explain you what I'm doing here. And they were, okay, okay, <laughs> do you want to tell me your name or do I look it down in the box letter boxes? Yeah, yeah, you go and look down. Can I take a picture? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here I am in one of these buildings that is part of the city I was looking the other day when talking to you from the mountain. That day I thought 
that the city is like a, from the distance it's like a party or a demonstration but full of buildings like bodies not dancing not interacting with each other just standing quiet and looking to each other not knowing who is in front who is behind who is next one to the other that's what i'm doing nowadays going around the city visiting friends and trying to meet their in front neighbors The other day I tried in another door and a man told me mm, I don't want to know anything about it I don't even want to know any other person I don't say hi to my neighbors in this building so I won't say hi to another one on the other side of the road I'm not interested at all leave me alone I think that this is the magic of the city, anonymity, and in a way is what I'm trying to, to force. Most of my friends don't know who lives in front of them. Some have a distant relation. They see the neighbors in the window having breakfast or some of them have been seeing each other for years but haven't talked to each other they don't know their name they don't know how is their voice that's what i'm doing trying to connect to put in contact that's what i'm doing trying to bring together paint windows from buildings that are one in front of the other I love with openings with doors and, and windows and different kinds of openings in a building. But lately, windows became more present. And also, it's been in our conversation. This element, it's an opening that you can see through, that you can go through, or where you can, but... It's not designed for that and you will be damaged if you do so. And you ask me about the unknown, my fascination about the unknown. You ask me about my, yeah, why do I like <laughs> the unknown? I don't know, maybe it's because I know I don't know anything that everything we we know has come from the outside so knowledge will come from outside and it's a way to compensate loneliness or ignorance there's a presumption of what we we know we know what we know comes from what we have learned 
but not always comes from experience so I think why try to to know from what I experience so making way for the unknown is a way to learn what's around what's here next to me in front behind how things work and also is a reaction against isolation on closure also loneliness and you asked me about uh, how to turn situations to switch situations and to make something from frustration and I think every situation has a potentiality to become something else something powerful joyful every situation has a potential to be explored to become something more lively something powerful and it has to do with how we are relating to each other how we are mixing our fields our knowledge our um, closed spaces and you asked me about yeah frustration how do I feel how do I do to feel better today I was not feeling good and I just went out and that's something I do I guess many of us do that's changing if you don't feel well somewhere you try going somewhere else and also I try to to talk with friends not always you have a friend but if you have better you talk with them to make you feel happier and what we have been doing lately you have you have made me feel very happy and you made me think about friendship as a as a place as the best place to take care of and today my father came to visit just right before i was preparing to go out and he told me don't move don't do anything it's funny because we have been moving around trying to move as much as possible while my body is becoming slow very slow I am walking slow in the city and it makes me see things differently interact differently with people with the surround it's because I'm carrying these two other bodies inside my body while my body is growing to give them space to exist so I'm, I'm sharing my body uh, with them they are inside me and I'm inside this building and this building is inside this city this is where we have been going around inside and outside during these months and maybe we will need to stop saying outside or inside 
because even going outside we are inside something so we are always in between so that's where I would like to be in the middle in between trying to shorten distances and thank you my dear to move me around Promise No Promises is a podcast series produced by the Gender Center for Excellence, a research project of the Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, Academy of Art and Design in Basel. Conceived as a think tank tasked to assess, develop and propose new social languages and methods to understand the role of gender in the arts, culture, science and technology, as well as in all knowledge areas that are interconnected with the field of culture today. If you're interested to get more information about further podcasts and events related to this project, please visit dertank.ch or subscribe to our newsletter at info.kunst.hgk at fhnw.ch. Recording and editing Sonia Fernandez-Pan and Luz Broto. Final editing and voiceover, Elena Caesar. Music, S. McAvoy. Research team, Tabea Rothfuchs and Marion Ritzmann. Press and communication, Anna Franke. Technical support, Esther Hunziger, Karin Bohrer, Konrad Siegel and Chris Handberg. The recording device for this audio exchange of this episode was kindly lended by Hangar Barcelona, Center for Art Research and Production. Copyright Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW 2023.